0: Hello, print friends, and welcome to the fifth episode of Pine Copper Lime, the Internet's number one printmaking podcast. I release an episode every two weeks, and on the off weeks, I put an article up on the Pine Copper Lime website that features images and maybe a bit more information about the artist I'm going to interview. You can also find Pine Copper Lime on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This week, I'm thrilled to have Deborah Maris Ladder as my guest. For the past 29 years, Deborah has been the founder and director of the Chicago Printmakers Collaborative. It's a community print shop for professional printmakers and students, offering lithography, intaglio, and relief. CPC is also a commercial gallery, which features prints from artists all around the world. They have a storefront which is open to the public, and Deborah is very active in engaging the community in which she lives and works. She hosts beginners' classes regularly and printmaking events, such as steamroller printing, often with a live band. Because along with being a printmaker, a studio director, a mother, and a dog rescuer, Deborah is also an accomplished musician. I was lucky enough to visit her beautiful shop in the autumn of 2017, and it is well worth the hype. It's a gorgeous space, and it's deeply inspiring to see what Deborah has built. In this episode, Deborah shares with me the story of how she came to build the Chicago Printmakers Collaborative. It's going to be a great episode for anyone who's dreamed of starting their own print shop or anyone who's keen to start something new. As you'll hear, it takes a lot of moxie, a work ethic that does not privilege sleep, a pinch of good timing, and a little bit of divine intervention from a favorite grandmother to complete this story. One final note before I start this episode. You'll hear at the very beginning that Deborah mentions that I'm living in Sydney. So, despite my standard American accent, I do indeed live down under amongst the wombats. How I got here is a long story, but if you'd like to hear it, or if you're curious about anything else, please drop me a line at hello at pinecopperlime.com. So, now without further ado, Here's Deborah.
1: Hey, Miranda. How's it going out there in uh, Sydney? It's good. <laughs>
0: it's good.
1: And you might hear my my new little dog in the background. <gasps> She's our new shop dog. So I'm here at the studio.
0: It's not a shop without a dog, in my opinion. It's so cool. That we've got you um, in situ here in your shop because that's exactly what I'd love to chat with you about. So, do you think that um, you know? So you said you've been doing this for bu- for twenty nine years. And when you're talking about that sense of community, do you think that that's evolved much? Is there more of a an appreciation for it now that we live in a world that we're so divided by technology? Or has it seemed pretty much the same, that printmakers just want to find other printmakers?
1: I feel like, okay, so I'm dating myself, but... I was here in the age of no internet, yes, that's true. And in fact, you know, it was, I find it was harder back then to connect with other printmakers than it is now. You can only imagine in the days of the telephone, it was a whole different ballgame. So you kind of were aware of what people were doing in other places, but it was all done by snail mail. So you would get something from Anderson ranch and you go, Oh, look, they have a printmaking thing there that people can take classes at. And then you might meet someone from Anderson ranch at maybe the college art association conference or some other place like that. But it was not easy to connect. And now that we have all these social media platforms and you have hot, like, have you looked at Facebook recently to see how many printmaking groups there are? I'm astounded. But on the other hand, you know, I can, and most likely walk into any print shop around the world and they'll know who, what the Chicago printmakers collaborative is because we've got 30,000 followers on Instagram yeah and so that's significant I don't know how it happened but <laughs> I did get really good at making videos <laughs> and, and you know how printmakers are they want to see those process videos we
0: love the process it is
1: so fun to, to to watch that kind of explode And, you know, maybe we got on somebody's, you know, radar at some point and they just, you know, went crazy after that. But um, it's a nice thing because I can say, oh yeah, I, you know, you might not have heard of us. I'm, you know, my name is Deborah from the Chicago, Oh, the Chicago. Oh, we follow Mm -hmm. you on Instagram. It's much easier now. And so when I wanted to get a hold of every time I go to a new city, anywhere in the world, the first thing I do is like Google, where's the print shop. So I was in Barcelona last year and I did the same thing and i went to a bunch of places and and it was phenomenal because they're all there and it's easy to find them so i do think that the global community of printmakers is much easier to find now
0: yeah so 29 years ago when you were when you were setting up shop in chicago how did you get the word out how did you get printmakers to come find you
1: It's a really good question because I didn't know anybody in Chicago except for this guy I was about to marry. (laughs) (laughs) So my husband lived here. He was an architect. And, you know, I moved here out of the blue. I, you know, didn't really know anybody. And I was actually looking for teaching because I was I had been teaching at University of Indiana at Fort Wayne, Mm -hmm. IPFW. And I was the printmaking department chair there. And I just assumed when I moved to Chicago, I would just look for the same kind of employment. It really hadn't occurred to me at that time that I should run a print shop. I, I don't know why, but it just didn't. It wasn't the kind of thing, you know, anybody in their right mind would do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but I showed up here and I talked to lots of people. And I and so the initially, I was meeting all the other printmakers in the city because I was going to the Art Institute and I literally would just drive down to uic and stick my foot in the door and there steve campbell was printing up something and i'd say hi you don't mm. know me but you're steve campbell and he'd be like yeah i <laughs> said <laughs> so you know tell me what's you know are you guys looking for adjunct or, you know I'm, i come from i told him what i was doing and, and they were and so i met everybody and they, they were nice enough to not shut me out the door and (laughs) say, Who are you? You're just like a pipsqueak, you know, in your twenties and we don't know you. But again, printmakers are fairly generous. So so I first I meet everybody and then I'm reading in this Chicago Artist Coalition newsletter, paper newsletter that we I would get every month, that there was this print shop for sale called it used to be Hard Press Editions in the seventies and it had gone fallow for many years. And the guy, luckily, who was selling it, had uh, decided to keep the whole shop together rather than selling it off in pieces, in which he would have made more money. Mm. So, three thousand <laughs> <gasps> bucks. so I had saved money teaching in Fort Wayne because there's not a lot to do in Fort Wayne, you know. If you think about it. And yeah. The rent is cheap there, so I had saved some money from teaching, and I basically sunk it all into this print shop, moved in, and by myself decided, well, maybe I'll just have the university of me you know in the sense of like well I couldn't find a position no one was hiring and uh, so I just started the print shop I thought well the worst case scenario is that no one will come but I'll make you know a ton of prints no so I, I had you know I had time and I had you know this space and my husband's you know working at Skidmore Owings and Maryland at the time before he had gone off on his own so I just did it and because I had met all these university people, I was like, reached out to them, Janine Cooper-Eiding and Michael Miller at the Art Institute and, and uh, you know, the people down at UIC and elsewhere. And I said, hey, you know, when your students leave your programs, they need somewhere to go. There were no print shop in mm-hmm. Chicago at the time, mm-hmm. if you can believe it. And that was the thing, because as I was looking for teaching jobs, I was also looking for a place to, I could go print. And there was no place to print. So that's why I realized that this was the right thing, that Chicago needed it and I've been doing it ever since. Oh and gosh. but but the thing about these professors is they brought all their students for field trips to see where they should go when they when they finished. And then I opened my doors and I was inundated by people wanting to print and I realized, okay, and I all I did was turned right around and advertised in advertising that same Chicago artist coalition right. newsletter yeah. that I had this shop open and everyone came for my first event and that was it. So That's kind of great. was needed. It was not needed here in the city. So I never went back. So I've t- i I taught all the classes at the beginning. Mm-hmm. All of them, <laughs> you know, I taught litho. I taught etching. I taught, uh, I did the only press I bought was the litho press which was curious that has a whole nother story of how I afforded that one. Uh, It it was just like, I mean, it's kind of a neat story, but um, you know, I taught all the classes and I did that for a long time until I slowly started to hire other people to teach the classes, you know, when I would meet an exquisitely talented teacher all the printmaking I would hire then hire that person mm, to teach mm-hmm. the class so yeah so and now I you know mostly administrate and work on my own work and that kind of stuff but yeah back then it was a lot different
0: yeah so how how did you come to get your litho press?
1: <laughs> oh I'm so glad you asked oh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh right before this I opened Opened the shop in September of 1989, so I had started to put the shop together uh, that summer. Actually, that that summer is when I went to Tamarind for the summer, and I Mm. worked with Jeff Sippel on a course uh, in in plate lithography. And right before that, my grandmother had passed away, and she Mm. was I was very close with her, and she was always my champion and everything. And she's like one of those people when everyone looked at you like you know, thinking you're a dork, you know, your grandmother comes to your rescue and says, no, you're not a dork. (laughs) So, uh, you know, she was just lovely and she passed away, which was really tough. And, you know, and I had some tough times getting the shop together, you know, kind of all by myself. And, um, you know, I kept thinking, oh, she's, she's watching my back. And at some point my dad called me up and she, he said, oh, your, your grandmother left you some money in her will. And I had already done this budget for the studio, exactly what I would need to buy a new litho press,
0: because
1: mm. I'm big litho. I love litho, and I wanted to make sure I could do litho in the new shop. And I basically needed 10 grand, both to buy it and get it here. Mm. Um, now I think those presses are a lot more now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely dating myself. But, uh, so my dad calls me out of the blue. He says, well, grandmother left you some money. And of course it's the last thing I was thinking about. I just missed her. I didn't even think about wills and all that kind of garbage. But I said, well, how much did, how much is it? And he said, it was 10 grand. Mm. And I said that that's just meant to be, you yeah. know, that is what I'm spending that money on. And that is exactly what I did. And I got a brand new Tackage Garfield Lithopress. And I'd already, because I was at Tamarind, I had already, you know, seen the Tackage Factory and met Dave Sr. and all that, and looked at those presses, saw how they're they're machined by hand in that space. Lo- still love those guys. They're incredible, that whole family and the, the business they run. But anyway, so they sent me a press, and I took the whole thing apart and walked it up a two-story walk-up to get oh to into gosh. this first space. I know, that doesn't that sound frightening. I swore I'd never do it again, and then I did it twice more. But uh, I really know how to take those presses apart and put them back together. I've gotten very good at that, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> again, this is our final resting place of that package, hopefully. So, um, but yeah, so that's how I got the lithopress, and I and I called her Edith. This is she, of course. Oh,
0: of course
1: and so edith i'm looking at her right now and she is very regal with that big bar sticking up in the air and uh we have a a, our teacher melody vaughn right now is teaching somebody how to do litho on it right this very minute so love it
0: i love it it. well yeah that was certainly certainly meant to be um yeah
1: so i think about her all the time
0: (laughs) that's great So how did you come to printmaking out of all the, all the arts? Obviously you said you're a musician as well. So you have that side of your creative output, but how did you find printmaking?
1: So I uh, intentionally did not go to art school. I wanted to get a real well-rounded kind of, you know, uh, education in the uh, liberal arts. So I ended up at Cornell university in upstate New York. I think I went there because it was the furthest furthest away from where my parents couldn't come visit me, yeah. <laughs> but I did, go, I did like it there a lot anyway. So I ended up at Cornell uh, to get a, yeah, I always said, thought, you know, arts about, uh, you know, arts about life, not about art. So I didn't want to be too enmeshed in art initially, even though I knew all you know, from the get go, I was going to be an artist. And I actually started out in sculpture. So I did a lot of uh, metal welding and, wood sculpture and stone and kind of the the gamut and but I really loved to draw and I was really missing drawing and I had never taken a printmaking class until I was at Cornell and so I took my first printmaking class and I thought oh my god this is I love the material sculpture and I you know was making things on stone and I was carving things in wood and I was working in metal and so printmaking kind of was the perfect marriage of the love of those materials and the physicality of it along with the love of drawing so for me it was about that and also the process of printmaking is very aligned to the way I think about art making lots Mm. of layers lots of sort of things laying on top of other things you know, the process being a little bit separated um, in its parts. And I never looked back. I loved printmaking from that very first class. And then Mm. I learned all the different printmaking methods, spent a lot of time on each of them over the years. And I just love the way prints look, too, and what it does with the drawing process. And I've learned from some incredible teachers. And I... I don't know. I'm, I'm, I was tagged. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. Uh, So yeah. And I'm always learning.
0: So yeah. Yeah. That's definitely something that printmaking offers is it, it just continues to unfold with new techniques and new tricks and, and new people. And it's, it really is a, it keeps on giving for sure
1: yeah yeah it's, and we've definitely evolved uh, i've evolved uh, you know as an artist obviously but also our shop has evolved over the years and when i first started the studio we did not offer screen printing we offered that about five years in and it was just because it wasn't quite on my radar i mean i did learn mm. it i went to grad school at cranbrook uh for printmaking but i you know just dabbled in screen printing i didn't really learn screen printing until later I, I offered it here, but it was just the beginning of when people were switching over from oil-based to water-based. And then eventually I started really using it in my own work and appreciating it uh, much more. And, and the accessibility of screen printing is very nice for our students. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of interest in it um, still. But, but yeah, I mean, that's just one way how we've evolved. And like you said, lots of new techniques and non-toxic alternatives and those sorts of things
0: yeah can you talk a little bit about that balance of your own practice versus being you know mrs oh, yeah. chicago printmakers collaborative as well yeah and that's quite a feat
1: quite the juggle i know so i have also two boys so i raise them here in the shop basically i just throw a pair of overalls on them and <laughs> let them crawl over the floor oh. to clean up this the the floor okay go clean the floor try not to eat anything you know it was hysterical but a lot of us had babies in the shop i mean i was maybe the first but honestly all these primakers started showing up with these big bellies and then they would pop out these kids and they would come to the shop too it's sort of like my dog now um who's laying here right next to me being very good you're being very good so yeah i mean so i had these two kids and of course that's a lot of work and there were times where I think the juggling of everything was pretty tough. I um, didn't actually join my band until my kids were sort of like six and seven. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, I always played music, but, you know, it's the kind of thing I mostly did it once in a while or practice at home and that kind of thing. So with the band, that, again, was another commitment. But as they be, as the kids became more uh, independent, then, you know, I was actually able to fill in my schedule with, I I, have, I do a lot, you know, I mm-hmm. definitely do a lot. I have a lot of energy and people kind of kid me about it. Um, this dog's been good. Cause it like, he lowers my, she lowers my blood pressure a little bit. <laughs> I, I actually know how to, how to calm down, rest a little bit more than usual, but yeah, I am always working on something. So when I do have time to work on my own work, which is really important to me, I do. And I'm pretty good at doing lots of things at once. So, you know, I may come in to do administrative work at the collaborative or fix something. I mean, a typical day could be, Oh, got to fix the lithos lab. I'm going to, Oh, there's a light that's flickering and fix that. Need to make phone calls need to sit on the computer and get an email out, do a little social media work on my own work for an hour or two go back to the other things. I mean, I am always working and sometimes I'll go home late at night and keep working on the computer stuff
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the social media stuff until like two in the morning. So I kind of consumed by it, but I think I wouldn't have it in any other way. And I think when people say, I want to, you know, I want to start a print shop. Can you talk to me about that? And I'm like, are you crazy?
0: <laughs>
1: but, and you know, cause you know, your husband does this, um, you know, they have to it has to be the right person who's willing to put in those hours uh and there have been times where it's been really tough um or my family needs me more uh, and i do like to see my husband once in a while absolutely <laughs> <laughs> but you know he knew he knew who he married so yeah. uh, we both love our we both love our work so so it's been Pretty nice so yeah I mean it's a juggle and you know and then it's just staying healthy and I I do love to be outdoors I think we talked about it that at one point I love to you know exercise and be outside and do other things as well yeah so kind of try to juggle it all but I don't feel like I'm not that kind of person that has to spend like a full day doing just this and then a full day doing just that like yeah I love when you know, oh, I want to make sure I for a couple hours today, which is what I just did mm-hmm. before I, you know, interview with you. And then I will keep scraping. Then I'll walk the dog home, and then I'll maybe do some social media stuff and get the an email out about the small print shop. You know, so yeah, uh, you know, kind of a constant, you know. But it's okay. Yeah. You know, my, and I love that my kids kind of grew up, you know, being on tour with a band or living in the print shop like like the dog is now. It's
0: great. Right. It no, that's wonderful, yeah, and it's it seems like it's definitely something that you know it was like you said you were sort of tagged with it And this it's once you have it, um you know, like with tim like he'll who if if he had his way, he'd be in a studio from eight a m to midnight every day, and yeah, and yeah. that's just it, and he's he doesn't mind, you know not ever watching an episode of Game of Thrones ever, even knowing what that is. <laughs> you know? Tell him
1: I'm his partner in not watching Game of Thrones ever. <laughs> because I'm, I think I saw half of an episode once. Yeah. I would like to watch Game of Thrones someday.
0: And I think but... that that's, that's yeah. it, is that, you know, and I, I've experienced that a bit, and I think I'm sure I will more as as my project and as our lives together and our want to start our own print shop comes to fruition, that I will oh, yeah. much be more of that person that's like, I hear television is really good these days. haven't seen it, but exactly.
1: <laughs> I know, I know it's, it's funny cause I have like this whole ritual where I like get my news in the morning early, in the, you know, when I get up and not, not that early in the morning, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, no, you know, I, and, you know, so I'm informed about what's going on and I, we get the New York times every day and all that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, I, I love this. There was a, there was a moment when I moved out of the old space into the new one three years ago where I could have just said enough, you know, Mm -hmm. I just want to work on my own work. That was something my husband said, don't you just want to do your own work all the time? And that sounded kind of amazing in some ways. And I thought about it and I realized that I really love running this workshop. Yeah. And you know, where you you make the lists and you say, Well, what do I not like? What do I do like? What you know, what would I how would you know, I'm fifty seven years old, so you know, I'm not a spring chicken, but I'm also not
0: old. So
1: I'm kind of right in there and I I could make that decision. And I thought, No, everything about the shop is something I wanna keep doing. I just love it. Yeah. I love you know gathering the artwork from all over the world of brilliant artists to show here in the gallery. I love the students who walk through the doors every night of the week I mean I just like it at all so I could have not done it and I chose to so that must yeah, be something
0: absolutely and and you know you're we talking about coming out of the studio feet first in the end I mean that's that's what that's sort of thing that Tim and I talk about and I think yeah you know with with our generation i'm sort of a borderline millennial and tim being eight years younger i think is a full fledged millennial you know we don't have <laughs> an expectation of having a retirement really you know of that idea right. of like you you know you right. can make investments and then at a certain age you stop working and so with that in mind it's like well we just want to keel over dead in the shop then you know we may as well do yeah. something that, that we love and, and that, that sort of sacrifice of doing something you hate for 40 years for doing things that you're okay with for 20 just doesn't exist for us. No.
1: And you know, we talk about, my husband and I talk about, you know, we have all these friends who are retiring early and I'm like, I don't even know what that means. I mean, it, I, I real, I realized that what I've been doing my whole life is what people do when they retire. Right. You know, <laughs> I want to make art and make music and and you know play with my dog and go on a bike ride. I so know. We're kind of like. Living the life, you know, and he uh, loves architectural work. He loves designing buildings. So I, I think we'll just do it till we're, like I said, feet first out the door. That's yeah. great. Me, you can wheel me out on the press. It's fine.
0: It's perfect. You on thing and, yeah.
1: You know, wheel me down Western Avenue to the funeral home right up the street. that's perfect. <laughs> you know, I i just, I think it's going to be the way it goes. I don't know I might feel at some point that I, you know, we want to speak. That's the shop that Old Lady runs. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll
0: get there when we get there. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So I think sort of with, with that in mind, um, I'd love to hear, to wrap up your, your, what's, what's coming, what's in the future for CPC that you're looking forward to? Where, where do you want it to be in, in, in 10 years and, and all of that sort of future looking things?
1: Well, there's something, if there's not something I've learned along the way, uh both from my colleagues who, who run shops and who have run shop. I don't have any plans to expand the studio. I, I have a great, beautiful, brand new, for the most part, you know, three-year-old studio that's customized for what we do well. I don't have that feeling like I need to go find a warehouse space off the beaten track. I feel like the size is right and manageable And as I get older and as the studio gets older, I want to always be that place where, you know, you want to do something the best it can be. And, you know, you're going to go to Chicago Printmakers Collaborative for printmaking. Yeah. And so, you know, we run a very professional, tight knit, tight ship shop. And uh, I try to say that fast. (laughs) And so in that sense, that's going to be pretty much the course in my in terms of, you know, my plan for it. Uh, On the other hand, uh, we, over the past, I would say, 10 years, we've become more and more global in scale in the sense that the art we bring in and the artists we bring in are a lot more international, especially as I travel and meet new people and they come here. We probably will start a more formalized visiting artist program, maybe kind of with some sort of accommodation aspect to it. So that's another program we're we're working on. We're still working on um, ha- having an online gallery on our website that'll should launch next year. We are continuing, you know, to partner with with great organizations like Open Picture to put on events. I think in the future I probably will expand the steamroller event because it's become very popular and it might be a good thing to do more in the neighborhood in some big plaza or something. So kind of improving and expanding on the things that we already do. And you know, maybe doing some more publishing. We're right now working with Tony Fitzpatrick on a series of etchings. Uh, so we continue to to do a little bit more of that.
0: Yeah, Tony. Tony's wonderful. Uh oh, yeah. He told me one of the, the nicest things I've ever heard here. When he heard I was leaving Davidson, he he called me and he he thanked me for all the work I've done for him, and he said that. He hopes I stay in this game because I dignify it, is the word he used. So oh, was, I was I like, just got chilled, right? I like, I, I. That is
1: so perfect.
0: It made me like I completely teared up on the other end of the phone when he said that. I was like, well, you oh. know, he is, he is such a
1: wordsmith. Yeah, and that is just the perfect thing. And it, but it's true, Miranda. You do, and oh. I, I'm glad he said it better than, than I could uh, but it is true and working with Tony is a lot of fun we, we really enjoy I his bet. presence around here so, I
0: bet, yeah. well that's perfect wow. well can you tell um, tell the yeah. people where they can find you and, and find Chicago Printmakers oh, well, Collaborative sure. and find more about you
1: find us on the website at chicagoprintmakers.com you can find us on Instagram at Chicago printmakers You can find us on Facebook, of course. Just look us up. Uh, my Instagram is at uh, Deb Marislater, <laughs> mm-hmm. and my band just in case anyone was curious is called Sons of the Never Wrong and We are because we invented the internet. We are at sons.com S-O-N-S dot if you can yes.
0: imagine. I know. Thank you so much. You've been so generous with your time and um, and chatting with me and thank you and I will be in touch
1: awesome thank you so much mm-hmm. you have a great night and or more a oh, day you're, we're having a great night you're yes. having a great day Yeah,
0: we're <laughs> <about> halfway around <laughs> both of each other it's amazing alright well sorry all
1: right. about all the the shop noise in the background but hey you know
0: and that's our show for this week take a look in the show notes for any links that may have piqued your interest otherwise I'll see you in two weeks this episode was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf, with editing by Timothy Pauschak, and music by Joshua Weber. See you soon, print friends!